Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. As we continue today through Paul's second chapter in his letter to the Philippians, we will examine two short biographies of the ministry within Paul's apostolic team. And the obedience and attitudes as motivated by a love and longing for the church. These two young missionaries, Timothy and Epaphroditus, serve for us as examples, revealing that God has ordained for all of us an opportunity to serve when our hearts are following after the heart of Christ. Thanks for listening. One of the best things that I discovered about parenting is that you can get your kids to do chores for you. I, I didn't know that when we had them, but that's pretty fantastic. And I used to have to shovel, and now my son's old enough to shovel. And uh, when it snows, I find that it's kind of one of the most fantastic things on earth to sit in the warmth while he's out there shoveling. It's pretty good. Uh, the other day, we got uh, home from school, and before he walked in the house, without me even saying a word... He set his backpack down, he got the shovel, and he started clearing the driveway. And I'm I'm watching him do this from the warmth of indoors, right, through the window. But then when he finishes, I see him go up to the neighbors, and he shovels off the neighbors. How awesome is that? That's pretty fantastic, right? And uh, and you you'd well know that he was rewarded and praised for that type of behavior when he made his way back indoors. What a fantastic attitude to be willing to give of the little that he has to benefit the whole. And what a picture of what the church is here to do. Do you know that you have a gift here this morning? Do you know that there's something that you are here to do? And that when you don't come and participate in the greater body of the church, do you know who misses out? We miss out. I don't want anyone to ever feel that if they don't come to church, it's because, well, you're totally missing out not coming to church. That's not true. You might lose a little bit because we all come here to be lifted up. But you know what? The body misses out because you have been given a unique gift that God has given to you to share with the whole. Many times, though, in our world, when it comes to service, when it comes to having to show up, when it comes to having to sign up for some of the ministries, people do so like those who have lead in their shoes. Right? They're a little bit slow, a little bit grumbling. This isn't new, you know. This actually has been kind of an age-old problem. Here's a passage from 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but what's it say? But because, because you're willing As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to what? Isn't that awesome? That's the message of God's word to the leaders in the church. You you don't go into this thing looking to see what you can get out of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll shovel the grounds as long as you pay me, as long as I get something out of it. Or I'll sign up to bring this as long as I get reimbursed or as long as somebody takes care of my fuel or You know how we are sometimes? A little bit of lead in the shoes. God wants you to be willing to serve, eager to serve. We we must remember that what we do, we actually don't do for one another. You're doing it as worship unto God from the greatest task, whatever that might be in your imagination for church ministry. I'm not convinced it's preaching. All the way to the most menial task, and I don't know what you might think that might be. 
plunging the toilets is pretty necessary. Let me tell you this. The appliance in my house last week I'm most thankful for (laughs) is the toilet. All of God's gifts are needed. And there is none that is less necessary than all. And when we come together, we got to see that God has offered to you specifically and individually a way to serve the whole in worship to him. That's why I've entitled this message, uh, The Service of God's People. I don't know if you caught in our readings today. Was Moses ready to go? Was he fired up about serving God? The dude couldn't come up with more excuses. I mean, at the very end, what did he just finally say? Oh, just please send someone. Anybody else. And, and, and God's even trying to like reason with Moses. Who gave you your mouth? Who, who is really in charge of this thing? You? I, he said, I will, I will guide you, he says. I will teach you what you should say. But Moses, he, he doesn't want to do it. Or think of the disciples in the New Testament reading. Did you hear them? Right? It's getting late, Jesus. You're really kind of going on on this teaching. And uh, folks are going to be getting hungry. You should send them home. Right? Because there's far too many people for us. And what does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't give them something to eat. I don't know if you knew that. If you turn back in that text in Matthew, it's probably entitled, Jesus feeds the 5,000. But that's not what it says. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Do you know that this is what God does? That as we go into next Sunday, where you hear about all the ministries, and the Spirit in you is starting to speak, boy, that's the one you should be... You should really get involved in that one. That one sounds like the one that you could do. There's going to be another voice you're going to hear. And it's going to sound like, well, but you're not good enough. And I, I can't do it. And, and maybe we should just send the people away. That's exactly what God wants. He wants to bring you to a place where you realize, I really don't think I'm up to it. And God says, perfect. I found the right, I found the right person then. Because it's not in your strength that you and I serve God. It's in his strength. That we serve. That's where we find our strength. So what God will do is he will provide you opportunities of your weakness such that he will be shown to be glorious. It's never going to happen though. It's never going to happen with with lead in our shoes. It's never going to happen with the excuses where someone else can do it. Send someone else. Send them away. God is offering that opportunity to you and I. We're going to be in the book of Philippians chapter 2. I invite you to turn there with me. Um, I wrote this message two weeks ago. So how, however the Lord is speaking to you today, um, <laughs> Paul Blockland's message and mine are the same sermon. But all of this has already been in the, in the pipeline coming down. Uh, honestly, in Philippians, we're just following the flow of the Spirit's leading in Paul's life to this letter to the church. And we come to a really amazing section. Unfortunately, it's one that you'll find in most commentaries. It's actually the thinnest. There's not a lot that's said on this passage. And a lot of preachers kind of skip over it, skip by it. But I think it has just a gem of treasure for us to look into if we're looking for what God has to teach us. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 through the end of that chapter, verse 30. That's page 1828 if you're looking in your pew Bibles. Philippians 2, I'm going to read through it and then we're going to walk through a few observations. Here we go. Verse 19, Paul says, I hope in the Lord... To send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know 
that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. I didn't know I was in this verse from last Sunday. Look at that. (laughs) I'm joking. It wasn't that bad. Okay. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor. Men like him because he almost died For the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. All right, so let's make sure we understand what's going on. Where is Paul when he writes this? He's in jail, right? The church in Philippi says uh, that's not going to fly. You know, that's our our apostle. We got to take care of him. And so what they do is they put together a care package and they send it with who? It's a tough name to pronounce there, right? Epaphroditus, this young man who from Philippi travels all the way to where Paul is being held in prison and delivers to him the message from this church and and everything that they gave as a a fragrant offering and their love for Paul. So that's the situation that's going on. As Paul is writing this letter, he's going to say, I want to send somebody. First person is, what's his name? Timothy. Um, And and we talk a little bit about Timothy. And then secondly, he mentions that he is going to send Epaphroditus. So let's look first of all at Timothy. There's three things uh, that happen here. In fact, they're the same three things that happen with Epaphroditus. The first is the sending. So this is found in verses 19 and then again in verse 23 and 24. Uh, Look with me again. 19 says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you that I may be cheered to receive news about you. And then again over in verse 23, I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go. Uh, One of the things I want you to recognize as we look at this this beginning of ministry is that sending sometimes doesn't look the way we always think it should look. Um, Paul wanted to send Timothy when? Right then. But he doesn't. There's a time of waiting But Paul says there's this time where we're going to look and see how things are going here. And then we will send Timothy. Right. And sometimes this is how it goes in ministry for us. Sometimes you will start something thinking this is man, this is what it's going to be like. But then God says, no, timing isn't just quite right. Just pump the brakes. Hold on. I got to get all the pieces into place and you'll know when it's right. Um, That doesn't, however, negate the fact that here you have one willing to go. Timothy is one who is going to be sent. Now, we had Moses who was sent, and what did he do? Didn't really want to go. Um, In fact, if you remember later in this story that we were reading, Epaphroditus, what happened to him on that journey? He got really really sick. So you can imagine telling the stories. They're sitting there around the campfire. And Epaphroditus saying, you won't believe it. I thought I was going to die. And Timothy saying, boy, I ain't never going to go on that trip. But Paul says, Tim, I'm going to send you soon. What what, What could Timothy reply with? Uh, you don't think so. No, maybe not. And yet here you have the opportunity for ministry. And maybe the timing wasn't just right. 
And yet, he was going to be sent. So there has to be a willingness there. Number two are the qualifications. This is found primarily in verse 22. uh, But there is something a little bit deeper that I want to share with you on this. In verse 22, you see that as Paul says to the church, I'm going to send Timothy. Let me tell you about Timothy. This guy is amazing. In fact, I have nobody else like him, he says. As he begins to lay out the qualifications that say, here's why I'm choosing Timothy and not anybody else, I want you to notice that the qualifications here are relational. I cannot emphasize that enough. The qualifications for ministry here are discerned within relationship. There's been a few opportunities where I've had to counsel leaders in a church as to who they should hire for their next pastor. Every time I tell them, don't look at the resume. Don't even look at the resume. Because what... You tell me, what do you put on your resume? What's good or the truth? (laughs) That's right. Every resume, you look glowing, right? It looks fantastic. I've seen far too many times where churches have had people, or even within ministries, quick to sign up, but you know what? You really never knew that person. You really never took the time within relationship to discern this is the character of this individual. How does Paul give the qualification here. Did you notice it? Look again with me here in verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. How? Did you catch it? Because as a son with his father. Do you see the relationship woven together here? You know, before my son decided to pick up the shovel and go shovel the neighbors, it was the week before that we got that heavy snowfall. You guys remember that heavy one? And um, he and I were out there together. He, he was trying to, to push that heavy snow and then he can't do it. And he's hitting and hitting and I'm just like, calm, just calm down here. I remember the words of my father. Now I'm sounding old. Work smarter, not harder. You guys knew my dad. Yeah. <laughs> and so here I am preaching that same message to him, showing him how to do it. What, what is my son learning here? He's seeing ministry modeled by his father. And I know now that I can trust him as he goes out into the world. As he goes to the neighbors, he's going to do the job how? He's going to do it the right way. Because this was something that was discerned, that was discovered within relationships. I can't can't emphasize that to you enough. Qualifications for ministry are discerned relationally. And the same is true for how we would find avenues to work with each other. Get to know one another. Work with one another. However, I I do think there's something that's even greater in this passage. Um, He served as a son with his father with me in what? In the work of the, what's it say? In the work of the gospel. Five little words. And we just rushed right over that. Work of the gospel. That must have meant it was a lot of fun, right? The work of the gospel, that must have been a great time. They must have had a ball working in the, in the gospel. That, that must be what that means, right? Um, I want to show you a passage as Paul outlines in uh, 2 Corinthians. And I invite you, you might even desire to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to have it up here on the screen. It's a little bit to read through. But let me just take a minute and describe to you the work of the gospel. Let's see how much fun that was. Because Paul says, as a son with his father... He served alongside me in this. This is what Paul has to say. I have worked harder, much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. 
Three times. I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spend a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. How in the world is Timothy still with this guy? I would have, I would have left him. That day in the open sea would have been it for me. I would have been like, I, I think I've had enough. But what does the text say? You know Philippians of Timothy and how he has proved himself. How? As a son with his father in the work of the gospel. You know, I, I, I hear, it's too early, your service is too early, I can't make it to church. And, it's too cold out, we, you know, car won't start, or it's too far to drive, or I've heard this, you use too much scripture in your sermon. <laughs> I've heard that. I'm not sure this is the right church for you, if that's how you feel. Let me tell you, any of these... You ain't going to make it, bro. It's not going to work. Um, Timothy here has proved himself. He understands that the requirement here for the work of the gospel is one where ministry is hard, where, where ministry is difficult. And uh, there, there's not a, um, a list of excuses that Paul gives that say, you know, I'd like to send Timothy, but it's really too, it's too far, or too early, or it's too hard. Timothy proved himself. The qualifications of, of that type of a life, they were discovered um, in the relationship that Paul had with him, modeling that before him. Does that sound hard to you? Amen? Does that sound hard? Yeah. So, so who thinks Moses' cry is one that's one that we might want to say as well? Just send someone else. But that's not going to work. God has chosen you. He has gifted you. And, and here's one thing that you may have also missed. Look a little bit earlier in the passage we read. Verse 20. As Paul is talking here about Timothy, what does he say? I have no one else like him. I want you to know there's no one else like you. You have been gifted in a way unique to share the love of God that no one else has. For Christmas, I got this, uh, I got this mug. This is my... Um, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers mug, and I love it. it I, I grew up with Mr. Rogers, and these are all of the sayings uh, surrounding the mug that he would say. Here's one of my favorites. He says, there's only one person exactly like you in the whole world. Isn't that a good reminder for your coffee in the morning? There's only one person exactly like you in the whole world. You have a gift. You have an experience, and you have a position in this world. That no one else has but you. And God is calling you to serve him. Jeez, what if that means being hungry? What if that means being lost in the open sea? What if that means receiving rods, getting beaten with rods? What if that means that? What are you going to do? Now, none of us are going to have that happen. Instead, you're going to what? have to spend a little bit of time, a little bit of energy, a little bit of gas. I bet that's all that we're going to have to give. What should our response be? 
The qualif- Thank you, Jerry. The qualifications here are found as those who have seen it modeled by Paul. And for us as well, we must know uh, this is our calling. There's no one like you just as there wasn't for Timothy. All right, this last part is um, something that Paul says that's really easy to miss. It's found in verses 20 and 21. Uh, When he says, I have no one else like him, look at the way in which Timothy is unique, who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Whose interest is this that he's talking about? It's Timothy, right? Paul says, of of everybody I have here, Timothy loves you guys. He's always talking about when we were there. He's always bringing up your names, and he just loves the Philippian church. In fact, I got a lot of other good people on my squad, but there ain't nobody like Timothy, right? We're good. It's all right. Amazon sells them. There's nobody else like Timothy, right? He's the only one there that's like that. So whose interest does Paul say that that is? This is a trick question, by the way. You've got to look into the text to find it. Timothy's interest is for the church in Philippi. But look a little bit further in 21. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Hold on a minute now. Who, whose interest is it really? That's actually Jesus in Timothy. Did you catch that? This is a really easy thing to miss. The heart that Timothy had for the Philippian church was not from Timothy. That's Jesus' heart. Paul recognizes this connection between the inclination within Timothy to love the people over in Philippi that don't come from Timothy. That's actually born of the spirit within Timothy. There's an interest of Jesus Christ that's shown. There's a reason. I'm going to come back to this idea. This is going to show up in our conclusions as to what this passage really means for us. But let's move on to Epaphroditus. Uh, The same three things we're going to find here. Uh, First of all, his sending. Verse 25. I think it is more necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus. Um, Here you find out a little bit further in verse 27. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died. So this sounds awful. Paul says in 28, I'm all the more eager to send him. So that when you see him again, you'll be glad and I'll have less anxiety. Did you catch what he says there? Like Epaphroditus barely made it here. And you guys heard about that. So the church is like, did we lose him? That was like our guy to send as an as a, as a envoy, as an emissary, as an ambassador for us. And he almost died. Paul says, let me make sure that I return this back to you before it, you know, we do lose Epaphroditus. Because he says, I'll have a lot less anxiety. Um, the trip between the jail and, and Philippi apparently was not the easiest journey to make. Again, Epaphroditus was willing to go. Timothy was willing to go, even though it almost cost him his life. My, my admonition to you in this is that sometimes ministry is hard. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So, some, sometimes the, the road can be a little bit hard, a little treacherous. What's going to happen if we, though, have lead in our shoes? It's never, we're never going to go. The work of Christ will never be completed. So here you go. You have the sending, and then again you have the qualifications. I want you to notice again the key component of the qualifications. What does he say here in verse 25? I want to send back to you Epaphroditus, and then what does he call him? My, and then what else? Fellow worker, and what else? Fellow soldier. How are qualifications discerned again? In relationship. Uh, that, that guy who had that great resume, I'm sending him back. That's not what he says. He's my brother. 
I'm sending back to you my brother, fellow worker, fellow. And I, I hope you can even see the, the idea of a soldier. What? Easy or hard? Hey, Josh, easy or hard to be a soldier? Yeah, he, they're just doing this back there. They're, yeah, hard. Paul recognizes fellow soldier. There is this relationship woven between these in ministry. That's where the qualifications are really discerned. Um, there is an attitude here that Paul recognizes. Epaphroditus was sent, in verse 25, the very end, to take care of my needs. Now, I'll tell you, there's a lot of reasons why I will not go out into the cold when it's really cold, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of reasons. But let's say that my, my little girl was lost out in the cold. Am I going to say, eh, it's too cold out? What am I going to do as a loving father? What am I going to do? I'm going to be out there until she's found. That's right. There ain't nothing that will stop me. Why? What is that motivation that would cause somebody to suffer? What is the motivation that would cause someone to go through hardship of the kind where you would be called a soldier? Do you know what it is? Say it, babe. Love. It's love. It's love. Epaphroditus knew we so love this guy. I'm willing to take the risk. Jeez, baby, I don't know if you want to go. We could send someone out. We'll hire someone. We'll pay someone to go. Epaphroditus says, no, I'm going to go. You know that that journey is pretty treacherous. You could get sick. You could even die. I'm going to go. Because we're going to take care of this guy. We love this guy. It's worth the sacrifice. And in this, you're going to find this third point. That the reason why Epaphroditus goes is not his work. It's the work of Christ. It's not Epaphroditus' idea. It's not the church in Philippi's idea. This is what God does. Look in verse 30. It's at the very end. It says, because he almost died for what? What does it say? For the work of Christ. That's why he almost died. Now, now, let's talk for a minute about this. Timothy and Epaphroditus. Does the text say that they were preachers? No. It doesn't say they were deliverance. They were the great teachers. It doesn't call them apostles. It doesn't call them prophets. Very strictly speaking, what was Epaphroditus' job? To carry this over there. That was his job. What wasn't preaching? Wasn't teaching? Wasn't prophecy? Wasn't evangelism? He was a mail carrier. What was Timothy's job? Why was he going to send him? At the beginning, not a trick question. Does he say that Timothy's going to go to preach? Timothy's going to go to prophesy, evangelize. Timothy is simply going to go and, and if you kept, I don't know if you saw it, but here in verse 19, he says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that, here's the reason, I may be cheered when I receive news about you. These guys would have done well with cell phones, I'm guessing. They would have really appreciated that. <laughs> Timothy is simply going to share the news of what that gift meant from them. He's, he's going to carry this thank you note. Epaphroditus is going to carry this thank you note. They're going to carry the experience. Here's, here's why I'm making such a big deal of this. Paul calls that the work of Christ. Paul calls that the work of Christ. There is no ministry too small when done for Christ. There is no ministry 
that's too small when it's done for Jesus Christ. There are two men in my life that played a huge impact, and I only met them very briefly. The the first is a guy named Gary M. Greenwood. I was 13 years old. My mom dropped me off at Big Boy over in Iron Mountain, and I wanted a cheeseburger because apparently 13-year-olds, we eat a lot of cheeseburgers. I'm sitting there by myself, and my waiter is a guy named Gary M. Greenwood. It's the only time I've met this man in my whole life because he was my waiter. And as he came to bring this 13-year-old kid the check to pay for his cheeseburger, instead of a bill, he brought me a napkin. And on that napkin, it read, Ryan, God has given me much more than I deserve. So in Jesus' name, this is for you. Signed, Gary M. Greenwood. On a napkin. Now, God knew that there'd be an impressionable 13-year-old who needed to see that kind of ministry at that point in his life to be the stepping stone that would eventually lead to more ministry in his life. Gary didn't know me. He was the waiter. But he was willing to serve. He was willing to do something that made an impact because there was no ministry too small when it is done for Christ. The other guy is a guy named Carl Cooner. I only knew Carl because he picked me up from the airport and he dropped me off at class. When I taught in the island of St. Martin, uh, this gentleman... Uh, was my driver. Tiny little dude. This is him way over in the corner. That's Carl. Carl's not with us anymore. But when he dropped me off that last time, he said something that forever impacted my life. I'm trying to get out of the car, and I said to Carl, Carl, you're a good man. You know how you, you, know, you talk like you're, you're a tough guy. Hey, man, you're a good man. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. Just be cordially nice. And as I'm, as I'm getting out, the little dude over here reaches across and grabs my belt and pulls me back into the car. And he says, Ryan, Brother Ryan, I am not a good man, but I serve a great God. That sentence floored me. I don't even know what I taught that night because of that one sentence. After that, I never saw Carl again. But there is no ministry that is too small when it's done for Christ. You all with me on this? Hey, when you weren't looking, I went out to the parking lot and I, I, I took one of these out of one of your cars. I don't know whose car it was. <laughs> you guys know what this is? I don't know what it is. It's a tiny little, tiny little thing though, right? This probably makes no difference. Right? This probably doesn't matter. You, you got the whole rest of the car out there, right? It'll be fine. If this little piece stayed home, I'm sure the rest would be fine. If this little piece said it's too cold, it's too hard, too much scripture at church. Right? This little piece wasn't there. What's going to happen to the whole? Everything is going to be affected. Are you guys with me? Everything's going to be affected. You have a role to play. You, you, you may not be this big, fancy type ministry. You might be a little one, a little something, but it's something. There is a gift that's given to you. And you are called to go. Man, don't be like the disciples. Send them away, Jesus. We can't feed them. Jesus says, you're going to do it. In your weakness, God will give you the strength to do it. Don't be like Moses. Please, for the love of God, send someone else. I want you. I'm the one that gave you the skills I gave you. You're going to be able to do it. So here are my conclusions For success in serving Christ, number one, you must have a love and a longing for the interests of others. This is where it starts. You must have a love and a longing 
So for Timothy, you found this in verse 20. No one else like him who has a genuine interest in your welfare. He loves those guys. He's willing to go out in the cold for them because he loves them. And for Epaphroditus, you saw this in verse 26. You look again with me there. He says that uh, he longs for all of you. And he's distressed because you heard that he was ill. Epaphroditus is worried about his buddies back at church. If you want to have success in serving Christ, you've got to put this on. It starts here. Having a love and a longing for the interests of others. Number two, you have to have a willingness to go where God would send. You can't have lead in your shoes. You're going to have lots of excuses. I guarantee you that. That's easy. All of us could do that all day long and pick up reasons that we don't want to sign up. You won't, fine, you won't have success. You will have no blessing. You may miss out on helping the whole because you're unwilling to go. Unless, even though it sounds hard, even though it sounds like it might be dangerous, you say, no man, I'm going to go. I remember early on, very early on, when, when God was really just capturing my heart, I, um, uh, in, in college, got tired of kind of being the one who made plans with my own life. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but um, my plans weren't working out so great. At least that's the way it felt to me. And so I decided I'm done driving the car of my life. I'm going to go sit in the passenger seat. And Jesus, would, is it Carrie Underwood? Help me out. That's it, right? And I wrote, I had this Bible at the time. And before I had any other notes, I wrote this on the cover. So I would see it all the time. It says, wherever, whenever, whatever. That became the mantra that I lived by for those years. Wherever, whenever, whatever. God, I'm going to go. If you want success in serving Christ, number two is essential. You've got to have a willingness to go where he's going to send you. And the third, and this is huge in this text, is an interconnectedness of gospel partnership. Paul says in verse 19, I want to send Timothy so that when I receive news about you, my heart's going to be cheered because we are together in this. We work together. And in verse 28, you'll see, therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad. There's an interconnectedness that has to be understood within ministry. Uh, When I'm talking to church leaders, anyone who thinks I can get this job done on my own, you will fail at the true scope of why you're in ministry. We need to work Together, Paul worked with Timothy as a father with his son. And so here's what I want to leave you with. Just one question. Where is God sending you? I can't answer this. You alone can answer this. My, my life got displaced in coming home to take care of my dad. But I was still being sent. I may not be a missionary any longer in cross-cultural settings. I'm still a missionary. Are you guys, are you guys with me here? Yeah. Every one of you has been given a gift and you are sent somewhere. 